1: experiencing the triumphant life in christ one popular verse of scripture that sums up the mission of our lord jesus christ is found in the book of john chapter 10 in reading from verse number 10 the bible tells us there he said the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy but i am come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly in other words the abundant life is one of the central theme of the message of the lord jesus christ at the beginning of his ministry jesus christ started talking about the about the abundant life that he was that he came to give if you look at the book of Luke chapter 4. After Jesus Christ has gone through 40 days of uh, fasting in the wilderness. After being tempted by the devil. After going through a serious period know, serious test of his relationship with the Almighty God, the Bible tells us beginning from verse number 18, that Jesus Christ now went to Jerusalem, and when he got inside the temple, as when he was in temple he asked for the scrolls, and he opened the scriptures, and this is the thing that he wrote in verse number 18, said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, this is basically the message of the triumphant life. It is basically the message of abundant life. It is basically the message that says that the Lord God Almighty does not want you to remain where you are. He wants you to move to a place that is much, much better. He wants to give you something that the enemy has been able to has been succeeded in depriving the people of God from having. So the Lord Almighty, here again we see the declaration of the message of the abundant, of the triumphant life. And so this morning, I want you to follow me as we explore the keys to experiencing the abundant life. Matthew chapter 21. If you start reading from the Bible, the Bible, you know, in our reading, the Bible makes us understand that in that verse, you will notice the sequence of events in that Matthew chapter 21. Reading from verse number 1. There's a sequence of events that are outlined, you know, some basic things that must happen before the triumphant life can happen there are some basic events that took place before Jesus Christ had that triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Before Christ triumphantly entered Jerusalem, certain things had to be in place. Certain conditions had to be met. Certain things had to be put in place before Jesus Christ was able to ride into the city. The same thing in your life, the same thing in my life. Before Jesus can begin to have the triumphant reign in your life, in my life, in our church, in our society, certain things have be. Be in place for Christ to write triumphantly into our family. Certain things have to be in place, and for Christ to be able to do what only He can do in your life, in my life, in our church, certain things have to be in place. And what are the things that have to be in place? Number one, there must be a preparation for you to be able to receive the Master. You do not just walk up to Him, or the Christ cannot just walk. You can, you cannot begin to see the power and the manifestation of the power of God just by accident. It does not just oh the heaven does just drop up and then all of a sudden things, things start happening in your life. There has to be preparation, and you will see that in Matthew twenty-one, reading from verse number one, he said when they when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethesda, upon the Mount of Olives, and he sent his two disciples saying, "Go into go and said unto them, go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find an nice tied and with and a colt, and with her loose them and bring them to me. There got to be a preparation." There has to be a willingness to prepare you cannot meet the master you cannot enjoy the blessings of the master you cannot enjoy the privileges of the kingdom unless you are prepared to receive it we said it throughout, if you look at our study throughout the month of January, the month of February, we we're talking about preparing to uh, preparing for the harvest. There has to be a preparation. A person who wants to go to college, you don't just wake up one day and show up in the front of the college and say, yes, I want you to admit me as a, as a student. No. There has to be preparation. The same thing you want to get a job. You don't wake up in the morning and walk in front of the company and say, and now you put me on your payroll. It doesn't work like that. There has to be preparation. You want to enjoy the triumphant life of christ in your life you want to experience it there has to be a willingness to prepare you will notice that christ did not just walk into the city no preparation was made in other words triumph does not just happen it requires preparation. The triumph of the children of Israel over Egypt was not something that just happened by accident. They had to prepare. The triumph of David over Goliath was not something that happened just by accident. David had preparation in the wilderness when nobody was seeing him. The victory of our Lord Jesus Christ over death and hell in the cross on the cross of Calvary, it was not by accident. There was a preparation that took place. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. If you read from verse number before the Bible says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In other words, for him to take away the sins of the world, the Lord actually prepared for that particular sacrifice. When Abraham was about to get the blessings of the almighty God to become the father of many nations, what do you find was about to offer Isaac? There was a preparation that took place. There has to be preparation if you want to enjoy the blessings and the goodness and the mercy of the almighty God. And that preparation requires you to stay away from sin. It requires you to pursue the almighty God. It requires you to trust and to hunger for righteousness. But there has to be preparation. Triumph only comes through preparation. Regardless of which endeavor you engage yourself in. And for our Lord to reign triumphantly in your life, in my life, in my situation, you must be prepared to receive Him. Number two, thing that we find in the scripture. For Christ to enter our life and triumph, the way He is supposed to triumph, there has to be a willingness for you to follow His instruction. A willingness to follow his instruction. The Lord will not do what only He can do in your life if you are not willing to obey His instruction. Okay, look at Matthew chapter two, reading from verse number two. The Bible says, "Say unto them, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find a ass tied and a and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me." Look at verse number six. The Bible says, and "The disciples went." And did as Jesus commanded them. There has to be a willingness for you to obey the things that God, the instruction that he has given unto you. If he say give, give, give you give. If he say pray, you pray. If he say minister to others, you minister to others. If he say live a holy life, you live a holy life. If he tells you to do something, do it you remember the very first miracle that Jesus Christ did in the canal of Galilee. The Bible tells us that when he got there, his mother said to the people, he said, whatever he asks you to do, do it. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Because as long as you obey his instruction, then there is an the incentive to, for him to do what he was promised to do. But if you are not doing what he has asked you to do, what is the incentive for him to come true for what with his promises? There is no there, that that condition has been violated because you have not done your own part. There is always a divine human partnership, and that divine human partnership is what Paul was referring to in the book of Corinthians when he said we are co-laborers with God. God will do His own part; you will do your own part. And the only way you can bring the two together is when you follow the instruction. When you follow the instruction. Israel had to obey the Passover rule for them to enjoy the deliverance that the Passover brought to them. Rachel, the harlot, had to obey the instructions of the spies for her to enjoy the blessings and the deliverance that came over her life when the whole of Jericho was being destroyed. Peter had to drop the net on the right side of the ship, obey the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ, for him to be able to draw up the to him to draw up the fishes when he told all night and didn't catch anything. Okay. Even when they were about to pay their taxes, they had to follow the instruction of the Almighty God. Go to the river. Go and fish. Catch the fish. Take the fish out. Cut it off and take out the coin. Pay your own tax and pay mine also. Basically, you have to follow the instruction. You have to follow the instruction. If you are working in a company and you refuse to follow instruction, it will be very, very difficult. It will will take long before they fire you. It will take long. Even if your father is the owner of the company. Okay? Even if you are your father or your mother or even if you are the owner of the company, you will find that you will get fired because the company will go under if if you refuse to follow the instruction. The instruction must be followed. There can be no triumph without the willingness to obey the instructions of the Almighty God. So apart from the preparation, there must be willingness to obey. There must be willingness to obey the instruction of the Lord if we hope to enjoy the triumphant life in Christ. Number three, the thing that we see in the verse of the scripture for Christ to enter our life and triumph the way he's supposed to triumph there has to be a willingness to give him the preeminent position if he does not sit upon the throne, then he doesn't sit anywhere if he's not the king of all, then he's not the king at all if he's not the boss, (laughs) then he cannot just be following you, Jesus Christ has to be the lord of all, or he's not the lord at all there has to be a willingness for you to give him the preeminent position. Look at verse number 6 of that uh, Matthew chapter 21. The Bible says, "And the disciples went, and they did as Jesus commanded. Now pay attention to verse number 7, number 7. And they brought the ass and the colt and put their clothes on him and they set him thereon." That particular donkey was not meant for somebody else. The donkey was not meant for any of them. It was meant for the master. The donkey was useless if Jesus Christ was not sitting on it. The donkey riding into Jerusalem was useless if Jesus was not sitting on it. Nobody would put their clothes on the floor for a donkey to be walking around. The reason why people put their clothes on the floor was because the master was sitting upon the donkey. So the idea is that the only reason Where you will find preeminence The only time when people will respect you The only time when people will pay attention to you The only time your life will have the value that it deserve Is when Christ is sitting Upon the donkey of your life If he's not sitting on it You are just going to be like any one of those people Do you think that if we set up something here And you have this African man speaking Many of us will not be sure Because there's nothing that will bring you here But the common denominator that brought everybody here today is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as Jesus is exalted in this place, he will draw all men to himself. So if we are going to see Christ exalted, if we are going to see Christ, if we are going to see the triumphant life and enjoy and experience it, Christ must be the center. Christ must be sitting on the throne. The other two conditions are useless. The willingness to obey, the willingness to prepare—they are useless if Christ is not the center. Okay, what is the point of coming to church if Jesus is not going to be your Lord? I mean, what is the point? I used to tell—I <laughs> used to make this joke. Maybe I shouldn't be making it online, but I tell people: If you want to be a criminal, be a good criminal. You know, if you want to steal money, steal good money, don't steal useless money. Yeah? So that when you when the when the policeman arrest you, they they will know that yes, you have actually tried. But you still stupid money, they look at you, you have wasted the time of everybody. (laughs) You know, if you want to serve God, serve God. If you don't want to serve Him, stop wasting your time. That's the point. What is the point of coming to church if you are not going to make Jesus the Lord of your life? What is the point of coming to church if you are not going to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you are not going to drop the sins? If you are not going to drop the attitude or the behavior? What is the whole essence of coming to church? You are wasting your time, you are wasting the time of everybody. Mm That is the point. So if Jesus was not going to be sitting on that particular donkey, what is the essence of going to bring the donkey? What is the use for it? If Jesus is not going to be the center of your life, what is the essence of church? The whole point of preparation is to give Jesus the preeminence. The whole point of obedience is to have Jesus be the center. That is the whole point. If Christ is not given the preeminent position in our life, we cannot he cannot reign triumphantly in our life. He will not do it. He will not do it. And that is what Isaiah was saying. In Isaiah 42, the Bible tells us in verse number 8, He said, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. Neither will my praises be given to graven images. In other words, I will not share my glory with anyone. And that is why the very first commandment he gave, he said, I am the Lord. (laughs) Do not make any other graven image. Don't do it. In other words, I will not share my glory with you. How would you look like? Except something is really seriously wrong with you upstairs. How would you feel like? You are married to somebody. And the woman says, well, I spent the two nights with you. Let me go and spend the two nights with my husband across the street. And you say, fine, I'm okay with it. Definitely something is wrong with you upstairs. Because no man will be fine with it. And that is exactly what we want the Lord Almighty to do. Yes, I've served you on Sunday. You've given your own time. I've paid my dues to you on Sunday. Then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm doing my own thing. I'm bowing down to something else. And Jesus is saying it doesn't work like that. Just like it doesn't work in a normal marriage. For you to spend the night with your husband, husband number one. And then spend the night with husband number two. And then the third night with husband number three. Just like it doesn't work. It doesn't work in the spiritual things. It doesn't work when you're working with the Almighty God. You cannot... Give the glory of the Almighty God to somebody else. So you see, the triumphant life starts with a careful preparation. It is strengthened by obedience. It is strengthened by obedience and the triumphant life is sealed by the willingness to give God the preeminence. And until these three things happen, nothing else will happen in our lives. Until these three things are in place, nothing else will happen. You will notice that the rest of the action of our Lord, they flowed from these three things. The rest of the things that Jesus Christ did. Jesus going into the city. Jesus cleansing the temple. Jesus healing the sick. All those things happened after the preparation. After the obedience and after the preeminent position where he was placed. Okay? You will notice that until they brought the coat that Jesus sat on it, he did not ride into Jerusalem. Until he rode into Jerusalem, the mood of the city did not change. The temple was not cleansed. The money changers were not driven out. The healing of the lame and the sick did not take place. The same thing will happen in our life. Until the condition of triumphant entry of Christ is met in our life, our situations will not change. Until the conditions are met, the situations and the circumstances that are plagued our life will remain the same. Cleans cleansing will not occur until Jesus Christ the conditions are met, healing will not take place. Until those conditions are met, we will continue to dance around the same circle, and that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. But as soon as those conditions are met, what the first thing you see? You see that the situations for our life begin to change, and that's why the Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. As soon as Jesus walks in, things change. As soon as Jesus comes into a life, the life begins to see a new direction. And when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the city was moved. That is as a result of the fact that Jesus came in. When he enters into the Jerusalem of your heart, the things change around. As soon as Jesus entered the city, the Bible said the city moved. Other things when Jesus you know in other words, when Jesus entered the life, things begin to turn around. The people around you begin to notice it. Number two things you will find is that when the conditions of Christ's entry is met in your life, uh, cleansing of all sorts of ills that are plagued our life will begin to happen. Cleansing will begin to happen. When Jesus walked into the city, the first thing he did was into the temple because that's where the presence of the Almighty God was. Went into that temple, and the first thing he did was that if you want to see the change that you desire. If you want to see the power of God that you are truly seeking for, that temple must be clean. That's the first thing. Okay? So when Jesus came in, you make sure that those things that do not belong, that do not bring his glory, those things were first of all cleansed out. And that's what Amos was telling us in Amos 3.3. He said, can two walk together except they agree? When Jesus walks into the temple of your heart The first thing he will do is to wipe away Those things that do not agree with him The things that do not bring his glory The things that do not conform to his image The things that work against his personality All those things he will first of all take away The reason is so that the two of you can walk together So that the glory of the almighty God will come So that his presence will fill the house So that his glory can begin to manifest In your own life In other words, anything that is contrary to the spirit of God When Jesus walks in, those things walk out The two of them cannot coexist. Anything that is opposed to his nature, his character, his person will have no option but to leave. Okay? And that is why when you see a man that meets the Lord Jesus Christ, truly encounters Christ, that man becomes a different person. You can tell their life before and their life now. You can see the difference between the two because they have met Jesus and something has happened. And when Jesus entered into Jerusalem of your heart, cleansing from from all sorts of ills that have plagued their life will begin to occur. The third thing that happens when Jesus, when the condition are met is that healing begins to take place healing begins to take place. The healing of the Almighty God comes as a result of the presence of the Almighty God. As long as the temple is dirty, the presence of the Almighty God will not be there. And when the presence of the Almighty God is there, you can pray from now till kingdom comes. You can pray until you turn blue in the face. I don't know what Africans turn to when they pray like that. Maybe they turn yellow or what. <laughs> but you can pray until whatever color comes into your face. Nothing will happen. Because the temple is still dirty, the presence of the Almighty God will not come into a dirty temple and the healing will be dead. What you'll we'll find is that elu- it becomes elusive. So if you want to see that particular healing that we are asking for the Lord we are asking from the Lord healing for healing to take place the temple of the heart must be cleansed. And you will notice that as soon as the cleanse of the temple happened the people that needed healing started coming in. When they took away all the barrier, when they took away all the people who were buying and selling, the people now had the opportunity to enter in. And the healing was able to take place. That tells us that as long as the temple is filled with garbage. As long as the temple is filled with rubbish and money changers. Healing will not take place. As long as the temple of our heart is filled with the things that does not glorify God. Healing will not take place. As long as there is buying and selling in the temple of our heart. Healing will not take place. As long as the money changers are still occupying our heart. Healing will not take place. In other words. If you want healing. You must get rid of the money changers. You must get rid of the money changers. You must get rid of all those people who are buying and selling in your heart. You must get rid of all those things that are distracting. You must get rid of those things that are taking the position of the Almighty God in your life. You have to get rid of them. If you want that healing. If you want the healing, you must rid yourself of the things that the Lord Almighty will look at and will say, Why have you turned my Father's house into a den of thieves? You must get rid of them. Because if you don't get rid of them, like I said, you can pray until kingdom come. Nothing will happen when Jesus comes in, he will not only cleanse the temple, but he will begin the work of healing. And all this happens after Christ makes a triumphant entry into Jerusalem of your hearts. When Jesus Christ makes that triumphant entry into the Jerusalem of your heart, things happen. Things happen. Life begins to turn around. I remember the very first time I encountered a Christian who tried to preach to me. That guy, I don't know where he is right now, but I'm sure that guy did not like that day. Because I gave him one really serious heck of a time. Because he was saying, repent of yourself. I said, what sin that I have committed? You know? And the way I was coming across to him, the guy was just so confused. He didn't even know what to say anymore. And I I mean, that was just my nature at that time. I would just ask you some stupid questions. I remember going to church and I would sit down. And I would be reading out, and I would be hearing what the pastors are saying. i say, your pastors don't even know how to organize their sermon. They can't give a logical argument. (laughs) You know? And madame would tell me, would you just keep quiet and listen? I said, how can I listen to a guy who cannot make a consistent argument? Okay? The point I'm trying to make is that as long as you have all those kind of things going in your life, it's because Christ is not there. But as soon as Christ came... If I were told that I'm gonna be the one standing behind a pulpit preacher, I'll say you go and sleep and wake up again because it's not gonna to happen to me. I know I'm not gonna do it because I don't like doing it. You know. But the point I'm making that when Jesus comes into your life, something happens. Yeah. Something happens. The situation changes. And the barriers begin to fall. And that's when you begin to see God do what only he can do in your life. And the issue is this. Many of us are seeking for miracles. Many of us are seeking for the touch of the supernatural. But we are not willing to visit the condition of our hearts. We are not willing to touch it. There are some sacred things that have been put in place that we don't want it moved. We don't want it disturbed. And that is what happened to the Pharisees. They were looking at the Son of God. The one that they have sought for for centuries. The one that they have prayed for for him to come. The one that they have searched the scriptures for. And the man was standing right in front of them and they could not just recognize it. Because they had something set up in their heart that they were unwilling to move. The things were buying and selling in their heart, and they were not willing to make any adjustments. And the last thing that happens, the last thing that happened when Jesus makes a triumphant entry into the, into the Jerusalem of your heart is that you are going to get a mixed response. Is that how you like him or you don't like him? Okay? I have a friend who always says that I rather like to have people who love me or who hate me. I don't like people who are indifferent towards me. See, because people who are indifferent towards me, I can't read them okay i don't know whether they are happy i don't know when they are mad i don't know you know because when the people who love when people who hate you when they see evil coming to you you can tell because they rejoice they are happy that evil is coming to you when the people who love you see evil coming to you they are sad you can tell but when you have an individual who really do not give two cents about you evil is coming uh uh-huh Good is coming, uh huh, it doesn't make any difference. So, if you are looking for that, if you are looking to them for indication, you are not going to get anything. But Jesus always elicits these two extreme behavior. Jesus is what will be referred to in our society today as a very polarizing figure. Because either you like him or you don't like him. So, when Jesus comes into your life, two things happen it's either you see people rejoicing for it or people who are just pissed off, they just, just don't like it. Okay? So mixed response happens, and you see that in, in, in Matthew chapter twenty-one, reading from verse number fifteen, the Bible tells us there. And the chief scribes, <clears throat> sorry, and the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. These guys, I just don't understand them. The place was messed up. Okay, it's just like you come into this place; it's all messed up. One of the sisters came in early in the morning, cleaned up the whole place, put perfume, make it look nice, and people were able to come and sit down and enjoy the sermon. And then the pastor comes and say, "Who asked you to put the chairs right? Eh? We're happy the way it is. You think you're better than everybody? Eh? Are you the only one who knows how to organize? That is what these guys were doing. The place was messed up. Everybody was happy, but these guys were not happy. So when the chief priest saw and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple saying Hosanna to the Son of David, they were pleased. They were displeased. They just didn't like it. Oh." That's, I mean, I know, I know we're not going to see them in heaven, but I would have loved to find out what was going on in their mind. Why don't you, why you guys just so, anyway, let's leave those one away. And so anytime Jesus makes an uh, entry into the life of anybody, like I said earlier on, there's always two, you know, there's always two response. There are those who will rejoice, and there are those who will stare and be displeased. In other words, the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ produces two Opposite reactions always produces two opposite reactions, and that is what happened in the book of Acts of the Apostles. When Jesus Christ said, I am going to the Father, I will send my, I will send the Comforter who is the Holy Spirit. And when it comes, he's going to endure you with power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the other and all the utmost part of the world. And when that day eventually appear, uh, eventually happened in verse number 12 the Bible, it's in verse number two. The Bible says it's in verse number one. He said they were gathered together, and the Spirit came down as a trophy tongue of fire, and they began. Began to speak with other tongues and the people could hear them. Now, if you go to verse number 12 of that same chapter, the Bible gives us an indication of the response of the people. The Bible says, and they were all amazed and in doubt, saying one to another, What manner is this? Others mocking say they were full of new wine. In other words, the Holy Spirit came down nine o'clock in the morning. Some people were saying, Wow, this is wonderful. Other of uh, they are just drunk, they had a hangover. And I tell you that is exactly the same response you are going to get when Jesus comes into your life. There are people who are going to say you are a fraud and there are some people who are going to be happy. There are some people who will rejoice that all the terrible things that have happened in your life, they are now over. And there are some people who say he's just a hypocrite. That's how they do. They always come back. There are some people who say, oh, you think you are now better than us because you are now a Christian. There are always going to be positive response and negative response. But one thing we must understand is that that is nothing new to you. It's nothing new, it's not peculiar to you it's not because you are special it's just because you are following the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible says that anyone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ will, do what? will suffer persecution yeah. so those things will come if you are truly following the Lord and that is why my test I've always told people is this, if I see somebody that nobody can find fault with that person is either a fraud or the people who are following him are liars yeah. Oh. Yeah. you see somebody he's so good He's the best thing that happened to people after slice break. He's the only thing that is always good. He's the most intelligent person, the smartest guy, the coolest guy. Everything about him is just wonderful. Everything about him is just like Oliver. He has the mildest thought. Check that guy. He's either a fraud or the people who are talking about him are liars. Because there's nobody like that except the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus Christ, they, they call him a devil. So you now come and say he's a faultless guy. He's an imperfect guy. That person is a liar. And when you see an individual that the whole world is saying this is a terrible human being, even if he preaches, he has caused pollution by the breath of his mouth. If I mean if he says anything, if you see him have a headache, they say, Oh, he has caused the company that is making tarano to even go bankrupt because he has t- he has consumed the, the, the he, he, I mean, nothing good comes out of an individual. If you see them criticizing him, check out that person. That person has some element of good in him. Because every nobody is totally good and totally evil. There's always going to be a mixture. But the issue here is that when Jesus comes into your life, you will get that response. And the interesting thing about it is that that response will come from members of your own family. That's why the Bible says that a man's enemy are members of his own household. So if you see your brother, your sister, your mother, your father who is not too thrilled about you being a Christian, it's nothing unique. That's just the way it is. Jesus said that he has come to put enmity between the father and the son, the daughter and the the daughter and the mother. So, the reason is because you have espoused a new idea. You are now into a new kingdom. And because of that, there is always that opposition from the opposing kingdom. And they will not agree. So, understand it very clearly. Anyone who is in Christ will always have that opposition. And that is, you know, and, uh, in, and in, 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 in what we see in that verse of the scripture is that there were some people who were just happy that Jesus cleansed the temple and there were some people who were not happy another group was simply not too happy What do you? they, they were simply saying why would you be disrupting the order that we have already put in place when Jesus comes into your life everyone will not be happy about it
0: thank you very much for listening to our program today Thank you.